coin, boys. Your average everyday crypto bros. That's right. It's Andy, aka producer, by the way, or producer BTW on Twitter. And uh, how you doing, Daniel? Because that's doing, that's who's next to me right here. I'm doing very well, sir. Thank you so much for uh, hosting me today. This time, I did I oh did yeah. I, should I do did, did I do that wrong? No, no, no. Today we're did you like that? Today I love it. Oh, uh, you mean I'm here? here. Yeah. Oh. Now I'm here. I'm not. You're not. At my place. We're at the uh, the other studio yeah, that we record studio. at sometimes. Which is nice. Yeah, actually, um, yeah, there's like no one here, so it's pretty good. Yeah. It might be someone here, but. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but, we'll interview uh, them if they come in. <laughs> hey, man, so let's catch up real quick. Uh, how was your weekend? Uh, we had a, obviously, we got through our Games Beat episode from the event, which was really yeah, cool. Yeah, I don't know how you did all the, uh, I was not I expecting just do that it. episode <laughs> to be as long as it was. You know but what? But you had a lot, of, it seemed like you had a great time there. I had a great time, and honestly, it was about an hour and 16, lo- uh, you know, packed of like really cool, interesting people, and yeah, again, I sometimes surprise myself at those events. But when you're when you have a mic and you're doing like simple audio interviews, it's easy to get people. Yeah, because I'll be honest, we did shoot a couple of people, but people are just so much taken. They're like more like like when, when people I, when yeah. people are on camera, they yeah. clam up. They clam up, and because now you're judging them not just on what they say, but on how they look. And they're always looking to their. They're kind of, you could always tell they're they're like, hey, something up. So when you go up to someone, you're like, hey, I'd just love to get you on my podcast, quick audio interview. There's no pressure. And it's actually so much easier for me to get people on the show. Yeah. And I think that's an advantage to doing audio. And I think that's something we've mentioned before. And I think people should think about that. When you watch people on shows being interviewed, sometimes you might not get the best quality of their interview, but then you hear them on like an audio interview and you're like, oh, that was so much more informative. Yeah, they let their guard down. And yeah. It's like, and I mean, it's not saying that they just kind of go off and say anything because we haven't had anything breaking like, yes. amazingly uh, on our show. Right. But um, but they, di- they, they allow themselves to get very informative and in what yes. it is that they want to speak about. And they... And they they go longer. It's great. Yeah, and uh, I just wanted to mention that I finished season two of Cobra Kai. I, I power okay. watched. Is, is all of them are out? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, YouTube Premium is, which I think obviously they don't have a ton of shows, but man, they hit a home run with Cobra Kai. Yeah. Um, it's I wish so it was good. on another network. I really do because. I know. I'm not going to spend that much money for just YouTube, well, and it's not worth it. Check it out, because right now, YouTube, for like a short period of time, is going to have all the episodes available for season two. For free. For free. And also, you could apply for any other email and get a month free of oh, YouTube. Oh, yeah. That, th- trust me. Just remember to cancel that. it. That's all you have to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all these like secrets, guys. Like I'll also say that I got the CBS streaming service so I could watch season two of uh, Star Trek Discovery. because So I did a, a fake email, got it, got my subscription, I had the power binge. You know? Yeah. Listen. So uh, I will say, as someone, a kid of the 80s and grew up around Karate Kid, there's something very simple about the show. It's got a very corny, well, you're campy talking vibe. To you're preaching to the choir because I, know. I am Daniel from Reseda. Like right. I was you're born like, out here, raised out here. All re- and I was like, uh, that's all I heard the entire time growing up. Daniel-san, Daniel-san, Daniel. And it, wasn't, it didn't get annoying. It never got annoying. I okay. really enjoyed it because I was like, I love him. <laughs> I love Daniel LaRusso and I love uh, Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, and the actual Reseda apartment building is being still used, but in this case, uh, Joey, I think that's his name in the show, or the the blonde guy that was a Cobra Kai lives in that apartment building now. 
Like that's where yes. he lives. Yes. Um, but that's where Larusso R- grew to up. Live, yes. But now Larusso owns a dealership. He's kind of more wealthy. And yeah. and Lawrence, I think it's, I forget his name. Wow. Why am I playing? I think it's Lawrence or something. His last name is Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The blonde guy, the main the bad main guy. bad guy. Which or I he actually used to be the bad guy, but now we don't even know no, what he is on this show. He's not so much a bad guy. It's just like you know, he's had a different, a difficult life. He's been the bully. He's had a struggle. The, he was. You know, whoever wrote that and came up with that idea, the actual creator should for Karate Kid. have <laughs> written part two, part three, and the next Karate Kid, and even Jaden Smith's Karate Kid. Like, all, <laughs> well, you know all that of those things. The original guys are making Cobra Kai. Uh, okay, I don't. I knew that they were producing, but both I don't know who, original who pitched it and produced both it. Both both original creators are. This is their show. Good. That's why it's so good. Yeah. Congrats to them, man. I love the, it. And I'll, well, without spoiling anything, they bring back some interesting people that were in the first Karate Kid. They bring back Pat Morita? No. Oh, well, that sucks. Wait, which one was that? Uh, Mr. Miyagi. Oh, no. Well, he's dead. <laughs> they do reference him a lot. But as, as you should. know, the bad guy yeah. is back. Well, yeah, that was in the trailer. Yes. You can he tell is he's, back. He's and there. let me tell you something. This guy is amazing. Just as good as a character as he left off. Like just He had done a <laughs> few other things, and I had seen him do a few other things. And he was pretty good in those things, too. So... I just feel like all these guys got so stereotyped that they got a kind of a bad rap. It was just like one of those is, you know, a lot of people did these great movies in the 80s and then just like disappeared. You know, I think nowadays it's like with social media and stuff, you see the you even see actors that aren't doing a lot of movies all the time now. You know, it's so different. You know, it's like once you do a movie and you can't get another movie, you disappear. Unless you're, you know, The Rock. Yeah, and or or you're in every movie. I always quote Kevin Smith, where he's like, "I could have made that movie in 1994 and disappeared, but I I discovered podcasting. I found another route besides directing to keep me afloat and and relevant." Nice. So I always applaud Kevin Smith for finding. Yeah. I know we're kind of. Oh no! Adding on, on to that though, real quickly, just because we are who we are. Uh, I did see a very good documentary on Netflix about the history of weed in America. Is that the newer one that came the out? The newer came out. Yeah, it is it's really good. good. It's really good, and um, the interviews are very well are very well done. And they talk a lot about jazz music. Cool. Which I had no clue had all. It was basically hip hop back in the day in terms of the references sort of. to weed. Yes. Like yes, the weed weed culture was prevalent. Huge in in the jazz culture back. On I actually coast. studied jazz history, so nice. I know a lot about jazz early jazz history. Uh, why? Hold on. Don't why? Because um, in college I needed uh, to have some kind of like elective to okay. graduate, so I took uh, uh, history of jazz, and then after that I followed that up with like like jazz history from the 40s to the 70s like so I learned a lot and I have an appreciation for jazz plus I lived in New Orleans for like four months and really appreciated it then I really learned about it but jazz is a music that you could say officially was created in America and it's a complete American culture well they they really reference New Orleans a lot oh well that's for both weed and the jazz situation and then I think Chicago uh, became a huge jazz city. Obviously Harlem. Yeah, yeah. But New Orleans is where it started. You got guys like The Bird, Gizzy Gillespie. Uh, I mean, uh, obviously Miles Davis and Coltrane. Shout out to um, uh, to them. There's some of like uh, yeah. there's one album with Coltrane and Davis on. Yeah. It's one of the greatest jazz albums ever made, and that was like one of the only ones they ever played on. Well, together. sir, I I set that up for you not knowing, and you knocked it can, fucking down. I can Good go job, into it. bro. Good I, job. You know what's funny? I'm not a big music historian, but I know a lot about jazz because it is a completely interesting. Uh, yeah. How it started and stuff, and it's young. Like, listen, jazz really started in the 20s and like yeah. the teens. You know. Uh, anyway, 
But we're that talking awesome. we're talking technology, <laughs> but it's always good and this is what we could always offer you guys. We you know, we don't just like jump right into things. We want to catch up, talk about what we saw like, you know, TV shows, movies. We're nerds. Uh, we That's like cool. all that stuff. But um, we, we did an interview with uh, Andy Anderson with EngineCoin, which we're going to throw to soon. But right now, check out thecoinboys.com. Why, Daniel? Why do we have to check that? Because that's where you can find all of our blogs, all of our podcasts. You can rate, subscribe, review. You can even join our email list, which we'll be using momentarily. <laughs> yes. And then Twitter and Instagram, we're pretty active. That's Coinboys podcast handle. Uh, but let's let's get right into this, Daniel. Let's get this ball moving. It's let's it's Tuesday, it. block news. All right. So first up, the first thing that we want to talk about. Now we are expanding our news to technology and everything altogether. But we still I like to are say blockchain. tech, gaming, blockchain, is crypto, whatever. So uh, Craig Wright. For those sure. of you who are here and don't know who Craig Wright is, this man is complaining—not uh, uh, complaining. This man is claiming to be Satoshi Nakamoto, and has been for a long time. And everybody has been calling him a bullshitter, because there are ways for him to prove that he is Satoshi Nakamoto, but he has yet to do it. One thing he can do is move some Bitcoin from the Genesis block, from the first block. He can move it from there and and send something from that from that block. Um, but if he doesn't do it, then that's basically, he's bullshit. That's, that's what it's coming down to. Well, he's been saying this so much that now he's being sued by someone in, return, in, in, in regards to finances because they're claiming that he stole a lot of Bitcoin from him. From Satoshi? Lot. Not from Satoshi, oh. but this guy who's suing him is, oh, is stole. claiming that, that, that Craig Wright frauded him. It was, it was a fraud and, and took a lot of his Bitcoin. Huh. So by court order... Now, Craig Wright must release a list of all owned Bitcoin addresses starting from 2013, which is still not from the Genesis block. No. But he also has to release one from 2011 that he supposedly moved a lot of Bitcoin to. Sure. And that's so they're su- assuming that that one, if he, if that one is the that one could possibly be the one where he um where he can prove that he's Satoshi Nakamoto. If he chooses to prove to prove it right then and there, I'm excited because this is going to call him out on his bullshit. He's not going to prove a damn thing. Well, with social media the way it is today, if I was Satoshi and I could prove it immediately, I could have shown a tweet of my wallet address. Yeah, and like, look, this is me. Or I could even shoot a video of me. Hey guys, look at me logging into my. I don't know. Even though that could be true, people could think there that's false. Things. I mean, I could understand why you'd want to keep as Satoshi Nakamoto as as we understand. We understand why he wants to remain anonymous. If you mean he, alive, she, or them? Whatever. We can understand why they want to remain anonymous, but Craig Wright is claiming that he is Toshi Nakamoto. And in fact, the guy who's suing him is actually a guy who is claiming to have helped him build Bitcoin. Mm. So it's it's a lot of it's a lot of drama, but I'm kind of just looking at it just to see uh, who who loses and who wins here. I'm assuming it's just gonna be nothing but losses. I mean, it just sounds like publicity for Craig Wright. I mean, honestly, that's what he's doing. So. Sure. So he's getting but bad he, publicity. But he's getting nothing but bad publicity, which they say there is no such thing as bad publicity. All publicity is good publicity. Dep- but I always say that depends, really. But yes, even so, it's bad publicity. Guess who? what we're talking about right now on our podcast. We're talking Talk about, about Craig's, li- Craig's yeah. right. So he wins. Craigslist. <laughs> well, Craigslist. But I- in a lot of ways, he wins because we're talking about it. Yeah. So... 
sure. think it's silly. I, I don't know. I Here's all I could say is like, being a guy that's been around this space since 2012, like this stuff just seems like kind of silly to me. Um, again, we don't know who these people are. We don't know who he is, who well, she is. Well, here's why I, I really, we, we, I need this because there are still people who listen to him. There are still people who sure. believe him. Just like people listen to Roger Veer. And the, people yeah. listen to McAfee, people Donald Trump. To, yeah, I exactly. Mean, there are people you know. who, so, and, and, and the thing is, if, the, if they're trying to fraud the people, if they're trying to do something shady, we need to prove that they are definitively Shady. They are right. definitely somebody you shouldn't be listening to. And Craig Wright is one of those people. Um, but if he does prove it, he's, he's Satoshi Takamoto, then obviously we should probably listen to him. What? I mean, but that's he the has qu- to prove it. So that's the question. What happens if we're like, oh, I, I feel like that would ruin things in a lot of ways. Just be like, oh, now we know who Satoshi is and now well, it's Craig Wright. So it doesn't, but it doesn't make Would that s- make you feel good? I would be, I, I, you know what? It would because then I'll be like, okay. Oh, okay. Then. What he's saying is legitimately what, we've, we, what we should be following uh-huh. because he's the one who created it. He had the idea. It's, it's, um, you know, and, and we can improve upon his idea, of course, but, but um, it's, it'll bring a little bit of a peace of mind to myself that he's not, def- he's not frauding a lot of people. He's not sending people down a wrong path, at least in his mind. Do I agree with him or disagree with him? That's, that's based on me and my own personal thing. But if he's the one who created Bitcoin... I love his invention, but he's probably not. Why? Because he has yet to prove it. How can you claim something with zero proof? I don't know. That's I don't know. That's this is how people believe him with zero proof. Well, I, I hope I'm Satoshi and see what happens. I hope he's not because then Chris's show searching for the search for Satoshi would not be relevant. <laughs> be done because then he'll have to call it the search we or found. We found Craig. Craig. <laughs> we found Craig is what it's now called. We found Craig. Oh, sorry. And that would suck if his name was Craig. Like, anyway, Satoshi Nakamoto is such a beautiful name, and it's like, nah, it's just some guy named Craig. Uh, Bitcoin. But yeah, if you're interested, check out. Uh, I'm talking about Chris Conachari uh, or uh, sorry, Conachari, whatever his name, uh, director and producer, shooter of Banking on Bitcoin. He's got a new series, so this is kind of relevant. I wonder what what he's thinking of well, this that's stuff. Be great. Um, but uh, anyway, that's something we'll always have to talk about. We'll figure out. We'll keep you posted on the Craig Wright stuff. So what else we got? Next up, uh, we I'm revisiting something that we had talked about in a past episode called a SIM swap. For those of you who don't know what a right. SIM swap is, people can call your phone, uh, your phone provider, your cell phone provider, and convince the company somehow to change their uh, to change your number to a SIM to which that they can to that they control. And once they have control of your SIM, they can do two-factor authentication and all these other things to get into different accounts that you own not just with crypto but also with your actual bank accounts and other and other personal information that you have they can that um your phone number is a very big password the fact that you I have know. your phone on you is a huge Jeez, thing all the things i have on my phone so that's why we always say add additional authentications right stuff that only you can control um, they say that you should always use try not to use third party apps like uh-huh. like Authy and yeah. they say that Google I've, I've heard the the opposite. Google Authy Authenticator is actually like FDA approved or something or FDA or approved not <laughs> FDA or no I'm sorry it's approved by the government like it's actually a proven yeah I forgot what my friend said I'll have to don't quote me but he was explaining to me a while ago don't use Authy don't use this but Google Authenticator has this 
and I don't remember what that there was. Are, so sorry. Are, unfortunately, Authy and Google Authenticator are pretty much the only two that you options that you have, and there are benefits There's to both of them. Others. Yes, they are not perfect. Nothing right now is. Um, ideally, we would everybody would have their own key fob, but not all the key fobs work True. with all of the exchanges. So you kind of have to deal with what you what you have. You do the best that you can. Um, it's better to have it than not have it. So there are there are lots of different things that Bef you can do. Before uh, the app authenticators, uh, when I used to play World of Warcraft or Diablo, uh, Blizzard Gaming would send me their little authenticator fob, and it would tell you a different code to put in. So I literally had a little little gizmo yeah. that would generate different numbers so that when I was ready to log in, I knew what to press. Why did it have to be so secretive and so Well, secure? back then, there was no like phone app to make it easier yeah, to have an authentic... That was an authenticator back then. Why did you... Why, what could have Because if back I then... your account, back what then, would have happened? There was the... I'll tell you why. And we've talked about this before. Diablo had the had the auction house. Yo, so I was okay, able to sell it. items, make real there money. Was money on it. So I actually did make real money. I mean, I wasn't killing it or anything. I think I made like fifty dollars off of Diablo stuff, but in I, I you had two options: in game or out game. Uh -huh. Meaning, I could get real money or in game money. Okay. So I, I stuck to the in game money, but still, even if someone hacked, they got all my in game stuff, and I'm screwed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's why it's so important. And even my Twitter accounts are on uh, two are factor on two factor, and I recommend it too because getting your Twitter hacked is not fun. Yeah, no, d <laughs> use it wherever you can. Again, not perfect, but it's better it's than nothing. It's the best nothing. we got. It's better than nothing. And so, anyways, so Mozambique yeah. introduced a new way to fix this, um, to fix one of the SIM swap problems. Um, you know, should the phone company fail and actually swap your SIM, um, a bank or anybody that's trying to do a transaction based off of the phone number, they can actually check with your phone provider and see if your SIM was swapped within the past two or three days. And if it was, they will cancel the transaction. They will cancel whatever it is that they're trying to do and not allow it to happen until a certain time period. The reason being is if your SIM gets swapped, you're gonna know hopefully within the day because your SIM, your phone's not gonna work. So then you'd be like, hey, what's going on? And then like, oh, they swapped your SIM and then you can mm. get it cleared up. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea of having it for two or three days um, that, that any company that's trying to do something and, and using your phone to authenticate it, uh, they can check to see if your SIM has been swapped within the past th two or three days. Oh, wow. Now, okay. I mean, I think that's a great idea, but the other half is like, okay, I don't know how much information I want any of these businesses to have on me and what I've done right. with my phone and what kind of, I don't know where in America, I feel that this could be taken advantage of easily. I don't know how it is in Mozambique or how much trust they have in these companies to not try to get any more information beyond that. It's curious to see how, how Americans would, would take to this thing. Um, it's not being done in America. I don't know why. Um, I figure any protection is better than nothing, but the other half is this is kind of invasion of privacy in, to, an, Absolutely. To, an, to an extent. I don't know, how would you feel about that being a thing that businesses can do, can like tap back into to see what you've done with your phone? I don't know. It scares me. It scares the hell out of me, but it's like I'm in this, we're in this new era where I just accept that I don't have privacy. And I think that people have to think that more often. And when it comes to this, like w when we heard that people were able to, a company was able to access your camera, which yeah. they can. 
you're telling me that Verizon can't jump on my camera and go see what I'm doing? They absolutely can. Which is so freaking weird. Now, I, I love how they sell things for your computer now that lit- people used to put tape over your camera. Now yes. they sell literally <laughs> plastic tape. <laughs> things that are tape, but they sell these things that literally are made for that. And um, At CIS, somebody gave us one. Yeah, and that is literally your privacy right now. Just cover your camera. Uh, but when it comes to SIM swapping, that's scarier to me because my phone has so much important stuff on it. It's almost at well, more important than my computer. You won't, you won't get, you won't lose anything on your phone. I know, but you'll still keep your phone. People and everything can see that. There, but no, they won't get anything. All the, all that'll happen is that the the number they'll get all your phone calls and texts at this point. But they could see that. Can see they hear what? my voicemails? Uh, yeah, probably. What kind of voicemails do you get? Like Actually, I barely use voicemails yeah, anymore. Yeah, I was going to say, I, mine's all full of like and if you don't, robot like, calls. I usually say, you know, if I don't answer the phone, I'm like, and if it's important, they'll usually text you. It'll be like, hey, yeah. just call me back. If I don't know the number, I'm not answering. But, but I don't know. straight to voicemail. I don't know. This is interesting. We should uh, keep this door open and see how this continues. I agree. Anything, you know, just uh, this is just a reminder. Keep your stuff safe. Do the best that you can. And, you know, something is better than nothing. Two-factor yeah. authentication is very, very important. Absolutely. What else we got? We got one more thing? We got one more thing. All so right. It's kind of gaming. Okay. There's a company called Icarus GmbH, and they're out of Munich. And they've created a machine that puts you into an exercise position called a plank, um, which helps really work a lot of your body. Mm-hmm. It mainly focuses on your abs, but it works out a lot of your body. And they attach you to a VR headset where you're kind of flying through on a jetpack okay. um, through these rings and doing all this stuff. And you have to use your body to start moving it. Right. So essentially, you're getting a huge workout and playing this video game at the same exact time. To which I am. So VR working out. Yeah, software. VR exercising, essentially. So I'm all for it. I love it. This is not the first time that gaming has gotten into exercise by any stretch of the imagination, but now VR is, and I'm really excited. I really want to do it, but the machine probably costs like thousands. So I think the idea that they're trying to do from what I can tell is they're trying to make whole VR gyms, which would be cool, which would be very cool because it's a big machine. It's not like a small machine that you can put under your bed. It's like, it's like a gym machine that you're in wow. there doing. Damn. The future is crazy. I'm uh, excited. Did yeah. you do any VR exercises or any gaming exercise things? <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, and I thought it was very effective. It was the Wii, the Wii, Wii U, um, the, Wii the, Fit? the Wii Fit 2, which was when the Wii U came out. Okay. The second version of the Wii U platform came out. Okay. Or no, it was the same Wii U platform, but they upgraded the software. And it was outstanding. I was using it as, so I would do yoga on it as a supplement to my gym exercising. And then every morning I made sure to do maybe about 45 minutes of, of their like yoga stretch stuff. Uh-huh. And I really regret, I don't have my Wii U anymore. I really should have kept it to still do Just that. For that yeah. It really helped me. It made, made me feel, it forced me to do movements that I, I couldn't do. And it, you know, it, it's like I have ADHD. I can't use meditation stuff unless someone's talking to me, okay. calming me down. So V uh, if I could put on a VR helmet and someone like, forces me to it's right there put you into that scenario. yeah i need to be like 
pushed and that I feel like this could be that motivator and also maybe you save I mean the machine's expensive but then you don't have to go to a personal trainer I guess I mean I've seen people back in the day with DDR like lose a lot of weight and then oh yeah I that was a great with, game for losing weight we came out people were just doing like punch out and like getting breath we sports breath with Wii Sports and stuff. Uh, and yeah, shout out. You know, that was something that uh, I thought the Wii Fit uh, was always something really cool. And I hope that Nintendo does something similar to that in the future, which they kind of went away from the whole uh, EA working actually out. Had, I got this one thing from EA that was really cool that was with for the Wii. And that it had an armband and a knee band attached so they can know your placement for, they know all, right. all of your, your full body placement. And it would say, hey, Move up, move down, move this and this. Oh, cool. It was really cool. That was really fun, too. Yeah, I still have my Wii platform, I think. I've lost no weight. I've gained. I'll probably keep that. I'm gonna. I'm not going to get rid of my Wii U platform, because who knows, in like 100 years, or I'm not going to live that long, in like 60 years, <laughs> I'm going to use it as like a doorstop, you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> or just like a mat. But uh, I thought it was an interest that like, We're talking about technology, just to go off topic a little bit. Yeah. The Wii U platform was an interesting technology. Um the Wii, all you had to do was hold like one re Wii remote and it would tell you. But I felt like it was so accurate to knowing like when I was doing the movements to when I was being on the board. It was really interesting. Nintendo had been trying to do wireless controlling, well, a good wireless controller for a really long time. The Power Glove. Oh, yeah. I just posted something about the Power Glove today. Uh, and, and of course, uh, the Power Pad wasn't, wasn't necessarily, it wasn't, um, but it was a good sensor. It had really good sensors. They always on. were trying to do they, that. And there. they kept on trying, to, and I feel like that was 20 years of innovation when they finally got it and it just clicked. The Wii. It clicked really well. And it's progressed since then. Yeah, and, and I think motion control, uh, we've gone away from it again, kind of. And now we're back to portable, where like the Switch is portable. But listen, yeah. uh, that will never go away. It's kind of like what I saw at Oblong Industries at GamesBeat. They're dealing with motion control in a very like extensive way. Uh, like when you think of Minority Report, you're yeah. thinking motion control. So I got to see that kind of technology actually advancing in more, like he said, in a broader spectrum, uh, full scale instead of just looking at your phone or looking at a TV screen. That's how they're presented. But anyway, no, um, great. I'm excited. Again, I'm really excited also, just so people know, is that we're going to be talking more about general technology and a lot of gaming technology from regular technology to AI to robots. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things. And I could call back to one of the early times we talked about AI was with uh, Sophia, the in artificial intelligent person that was on the board uh, of, of a, Singularity of, or something. Of an ICO, yeah. <laughs> of an ICO. No, here, and here's why we're doing it, is because we've, we, after doing this for a year, we've realized the technology for blockchain, blockchain technology is going to stay. It's going to be here for a long time. The, now, will it be Bitcoin? I don't know. Will it be Ethereum? I don't know. Will it be anything? I am not too sure. But the technology will still be there. But now we're not going to talk about the technology. We're... It's just going to be a part of the underlying software, software, underlying hardware. It's just going to be a part of, of it to the point where, like, we don't talk about Windows anymore. We don't really talk about iOS unless there's something crazy that the iOS can do. Now, we just, we just kind of move on with our lives and keep things going. We talk about the programs that fit on there. We talk about other things we can do with it. So this whole thing is going to just be like one big look to the future of what's going to happen with our technology, with our gaming, with our money system, because that is another thing that we're going to look into because of the fact that a uh, blockchain deals with that. Yeah. Well, blockchain is a technology to bring, I uh, you know, overall, it's a technology to bring us out of this archaic like paper coins situation. And like, just like you're watching TV digitally, 
you know, think about cable going out the wayside. We're talking about digital currency. So, yeah. but obviously, blockchain technology has been found to be used in different cases, not just currency. So, yeah. uh, that's the underlying thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's, dude. Uh, I'm excited to continue talking about this stuff. And of course, uh, I think we've all agreed, or I don't know if we all agree, but I agree that I think combining our block news with what's coming up soon, our in-depth in interview is special and easier and we're not throwing like three episodes a week at people yeah and you could listen to this compact and i just want to i want to clarify that good way to consider podcasts is it's on demand radio show right so think about netflix when you pause a show um we're not asking you to sit through an hour of our show definitely spread this thing out you know listen to 10 minutes on their way to work we'll keep you entertained and then maybe when you leave work or maybe when you're at the gym or maybe even when you're at home cooking you know, there's such an advantage to for podcasting, and and I, I and we're talking about technology. Audio is still an extremely important part of technology. Yes. So let me just be honest. Like everyone, you know, it's so funny. Like podcast people and fans of podcasts, they understand it. But some people that don't listen to podcasts are like, I don't get it. What does that mean? And it's weird to hear people talk. And I've recently talked well, to someone. You know what it was? Is I'm used to when it w- radio. When I was listening to daytime radio, I'm used to like breaks with commercials and then just kind of free random thought maybe a, yeah. a, a song mixed in even if it was talk radio it was i was listening to them talk and then it was commercials talking mm-hmm. the commercials talking the commercials whereas a podcast is like it's just it's non-stop and it's it's a different kind of format it's like they don't have to pause they don't have to break they don't have to do anything it's do whatever we want so so to them sometimes it's just an uncomfortable thing yeah but anyway uh let's get into our in-depth interview real quick uh had a great time Catching up with you, Daniel, but let's get into the meat of our in-depth interview, which is with a company, Engine Coin, which is obviously, if you're a fan of our show, you've heard them. You've many heard times. them many times. Uh, and the reason we reached out to Engine again is because we're kind of leading into E3, and I feel like, and as you notice, a lot of gaming-centric episodes have been coming around, mm-hmm. starting with the tee-off of Games Beats event, which is great timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have Andy Anderson, who is actually a blockchain, who's the blockchain development strategist and engine coin. So you'll hear about kind of a different job in the industry where he kind of sorts, uh, goes out and meets gaming companies yes. and sees what we're talking about. Like how could this underlining technology of, of skin trading, how could they integrate and help? Well, how can blockchain just yeah. period help that game? Right, so Andy kind of figures out, okay, you guys are interested in blockchain technology. Engine coin is an existing blockchain technology helping yeah. publishers and developers uh, and he gets deeper into it. He gets deeper into it. Uh, super uh, cool guy. I think we were. He was at CIS, but uh, we uh, did not run into him. But I, I do hope to see Andy possibly at E3. And of course, uh, we're just going to go ahead and throw to it. This is Andy Anderson, uh, blockchain development strategist at Engine Coin. I had been doing random uh, kind of things out here in Los Angeles, gig economy. I'd been into crypto for about what is now five, since 2013 so what it's six years it's I, I believe it's been that long and like people have been in it for like way longer so it's crazy to think that we're past the 10-year mark on this thing um so that's kind of what i was doing and i was getting a little bit uh not bored because trading is really fun and exhilarating but um it's it's it might sound cheesy but like the whole idea of a higher calling where I just, I recognize that, okay, well, this is, you're, you're passionate about crypto, about this idea above financial sovereignty and people being able to control 
their money, their transactions, this, this, this idea, right? And then I looked at it and I said, okay, well, there's a gaming component to this. I already play video games like eight hours a day as it is. What am I doing with myself? Like, why am I not contributing? Because like, I don't know. Ugh. I don't want to get too deep about it, but like trading is you're just, you're not contributing, right? I view it as just you're shifting numbers around. And if you give the money to charity, great, but it's like, what the hell is the point? Um, Engine, all of these companies are about building something to actually make this dream possible. And that's what I finally, when I walked to the Engine booth at E3 and I was able to talk to Kim and Ben and a couple of the, of the other people that were really excited about the project, I realized like, okay, well, this is probably, this is probably what I should be doing. So I walked over to, uh, there was a VR studio that was building some like competitive, like Pong experience. That was really cool. I, I wish I could, um, Lucas, if you're out there, contact us. Um, I, I, I know his name, but I, I forget his studio's name, unfortunately. But anyways, I was like, you know, dude, he was talking to me about um, the spectator mode, right? And how he wanted his spectators to be able to interact with the game uh, in, in a different way. And I was thinking, well, that's that's what like tokens are for, right? Like we, we have in the same way that Twitch has, you know, bits and things like that. You, you can tokenize these things and decentralize it. And I was like, you need to go to talk over to talk engine. And so I started networking these people. And then um, sooner or later, I was like, oh, hey, maybe they would want me to do this as a job. And they did. So here I am uh, <laughs> doing this for engine. And it's been probably the best uh, eight months of my life. No joke. I'm not even shilling because I'm being recorded, but it's been, <laughs> it's been legit, guys. I'm, I'm really happy right now. It's, it's been a good time. That's, That's cool. Great. Well, I guess we might have, I might have ran into you maybe who knows i was there too did, and that's the crazy part right it's yeah. like small world you guys are not the first people that said like i was at the engine booth at e3 and well, i was like really no way <laughs> i remember my story was i went up to the booth and they had the people working just like in the front giving out pins and hats and sunglasses which i i think i i finally lost my i had them for a while i was rocking those purple sunglasses for a long time and then um, he lost my pair of then i lost his well. i'm sorry um but uh i was like I, I walked up to her and she immediately looks at me and she's like, do you know what blockchain technology is? Have you heard of Bitcoin? I said, I have a podcast. And she's like, oh, thank God. So you already know. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, don't worry about it. I, I just looking for someone I could talk to. And they introduced me to Roger, who was who I, I was a fabulous guy to talk to in person. The guy's got a lot of energy. Uh, we talked about video games and stuff. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't know. You might have been on that nice couch. You know, they had the, the rug and everything. Remember? Yeah, was I was really nice. those chairs watching the. Uh, there was a pirate. I forget. I forget the specific name of it. But they had a, the Ubisoft had a display right in front, and then they also had the dancers for Let's Dance. They would put on that show, and I was such a big oh, wow. fan of the Christmas tree guy that every now and then I would just stop by to see the Christmas tree guy dance and be like, "What up, dude?" <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was a good time. I really enjoyed E3. Yeah, it was great. That was a that was a fun time last so year. It brings up two questions really quickly. One uh, is I'll I'll probably let Andy ask the question, but the first one the first one that I have is you were doing a gig economy. What uh what kind of gigs were you in? Were you in programming gigs? Were you in uh you live in LA so it could have been entertainment? I have no clue, but what what kind of gigs were you doing left and right? Oh god, well uh I'm, I'm going to try to keep this as brief as possible because it's totally on. Uh, 
I came out here and I did background acting for nine months, and then me too, <laughs> dude. It was oh, it was incredible. So that's a totally separate podcast, yes, right? It is. That, that whole experience is nuts. Yeah, my my first um, time was getting tackled by Jonah Hill. <laughs> that's yeah. and I was the PA that wrangled you guys and, and wrote your uh, what are those cards? Yeah, we all came from we came from entertainment out here. Yeah. nice. So you background um, acting, sweet. So we, yeah, we did that, and uh, I I just I, that's. That's another story. What happened? <laughs> but I ended up doing uh, shifting away from entertainment, and I, I just did like Uber. I did Lyft. I did Instacart for a bit. Wow! And then I started realizing that, that you know this just wasn't for me. Um, I needed to do something with like my actual interests. Driving is sense. is fun. Seeing meeting all those people was interesting, but honestly, it's like. So I did, uh, I did a general assembly web development gig. Um, I think it took like three months and I actually did web development work for a couple companies, startup companies for about a year afterwards. And so I had this development experience and that was right around when I met Kim at E3. And so they just kind of figured that I would have enough to be able to interact and interface with our developers, with the engine developers, and make the studio experience a little bit smoother on the support side. So that's kind of where I slipped in. And I guess there's my AZ from California to engine. Nice. nice. Uh, so you did mention you play video games. Just real quick, uh, what, oh, what, yeah. are you, what are you playing right now? What is your main... What's your main... Oh. So I, uh, I have a problem right now because I'm employed, right? Yes. So, uh, <laughs> my, so my three current addictions are all probably going to be 60-plus-hour experiences. Pathfinder Kingmaker wow. is, has already been a 300-plus-hour experience, but I'm also doing Outward. and I'm also That's a new game out. that came out, right? That's the new MMO? Outward? Uh, it's, it's, it's not an MMO. It's a single... It's a very, like, old-school style. It's, it's getting a lot of... Uh, what I would call not mixed reviews because the reviews are, they're, they're polarized reviews, right? People feel very strongly one way or the other. Either sure. people think that the old school mechanics are stupid for a modern game or people, mostly people my age, I'm 28, just FYI for people that are listening, people like my age and a little bit older tend to appreciate those types of games a little bit more. Sure. So I'm loving the hell out of it. And then I also started checking out Tenchi and Sekiro. So sure. I've just got a ton of games that I'm trying to balance with my regular life. Back to, uh, so you are the blockchain strategist and I'd love to know what, is, what does that mean and I guess your day-to-day -day or what you do and what, the over, what does that mean if, if, if you were explaining it to a layman? Uh, so if I were explaining it to a layman, I would say you come to Engine and you say, I have a, I have a game. And I'm curious, basically at every booth experience at GDC, yeah. um, right? So like I have a game, I'm curious about this tech, but I'm not sure exactly what the possibilities are. Um, and that's one of the exciting parts is right, because blockchain is enabling new types of gameplay. It's not just about like adding a monetization layer. It's about adding like real functional uh, gameplay design elements that you simply can't get with a traditional centralized server. And that's something that I think is very exciting. Um, so that's basically what happens is you come to us with an idea. 
I work with you to develop out those strategies. Yes. Hence the strategist, right? Um, and it, it kind of, it's a, it's a, it's a broad mandate from there, right? I might be helping you with, um, you know, token design. A lot of our people design what we call founders tokens, mm -hmm. and that's basically like a tokenized loyalty system. So if you want to think like air miles, um, you can do something like that with your game, right? Uh, you don't have to do it to where it accrues like air miles. You can do it pretty much any sort of way. And that's one of the beauties of programming, right? If you can think it, you can pretty much do it, right? Because everything of code is broken down to a series of zeros and ones. So I've, I've been amazed at how powerful voters um, can be when they're trying to realize their visions. So that's basically what I do, right? Yeah, no. So you, so you're basically the connection. You are that. You are that through through port to which games can can be introduced into the blockchain technology, depending on what what fits best for their game. I'm assuming every yeah, game correct. is is different, so you have to kind of figure that out. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. So 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 a mobile game is going to need um, a different kind of layout, a different kind of mechanic. And and the thing is, uh, a lot of people ask me about the interoperability of tokens and that's one of the things that um, is a common misunderstanding and maybe I can help clear that up. So people are asking me, well, how do I, if I have a 2D game, how do I interact with like a 3D title? Um, well, it's, it's actually rather quite simple because the answer is um, the art assets, the game behavior is set by the developers, the each individual developer, right? So if I have a 2D like uh like a 2D shooter game, and I have some tokenized skins, say like Overwatch, like tokenized Overwatch skins or something like that, right? And I send them over to a fantasy 3D title, and you're thinking, okay, well, that's they don't have any, they don't have any guns. Um, well, it adapts, right? So that your skin might become something that is relevant to a 3D fantasy title, and so the developer of that game will interface with you and say, hey, you know. What kind of ideas do you have? What do you envision this gun kind of being in my world? And then they kind of make that happen. And you do the same for their items. They might send you a sword, and you're thinking, well, I don't have any swords in my game, but I could make this, I could think of a really awesome, like, car design if you're making, like, a Grand Theft Auto sort of title. Oh, okay. uh, maybe that's something that you do. So, so these items, that's kind of the beauty. So if you've ever seen Ready Player One, the idea of these items kind of shifting from world to world based on their context and that's one of the most powerful things about this technology and what we can do with it. And that's the part that I've been really excited for this entire time. Uh, just when waiting for me to essentially take my uh, my my Super Mario flower that gives me the the flame powers and then take it into Street Fighter for some reason. Yep. I just don't. Um, obviously, it'll work differently every single time, but I just like that idea. And so mm -hmm. I'm just I'm sitting here waiting. <laughs> um, but you guys are you guys are uh, just recently. Not just recently, because even on the last uh, last episode, we kind of talked a little bit about it. But but now it's getting more and more serious with uh, in regards to Samsung. Uh, the Galaxy S10 has integrated you guys into their wallet. Do you, where do you see yourself self, um, in the? Why do you think Samsung decided that you guys that they needed to add you to their phones right now? What is like I'm trying to figure out um, what is the what is the next step? What are they trying to do with you guys? Well. What can uh, you tell us? <laughs> I, I mean, really, the, the only thing I can tell you is that I can confirm that we have a partnership with them. Any sort of speculation as to like what Samsung would do with us, I mean, that would 
any sort of answer that I would give you wouldn't even be accurate, right? Because I'm not, I don't work for Samsung and I'm not in their heads. So I just kind of keep it simple. Uh, I can confirm that we have a partnership. I guess we'll kind of wait and see what they have in store. The, oh, these guys are tough to crack. No, we're kidding. That's great, but, though. I, I congratulations for you guys. I you mean, know, it's a very big deal. Like I said, we we knew you guys like way before, like kind of where you guys started, actually. And um, yeah. and it's really great to see that kind of name associated with you guys. And I'm excited for you. So let's let's backtrack here. Sure. Let's talk about video game integration, right? So yes. from what I know is that Rebounce is a game that actually we're probably gonna have on the show. Um, in the near future as well. Um, and let's talk about that. You, there's, that's apparently, I don't know if this is true and I don't want to send rumors. They're close to integration with you guys. Is that right? Yeah. From what I understand, talking to John, he's very close, right? Um, so from what I understand, when you log in for the first time, you're going to get, uh, a blitz ball, which is like the basic ball. And then I will let John, since he's going to be on your show, kind of, handle you know making that a thing and kind of describing how he wants to describe that but no yes uh rebounds is one of the closest titles to integration um among our early adopters so definitely stay tuned to that guy yeah that's cool so i guess then the question is let's talk about that integration not not i know he'll give us some more ideas but let's talk about I guess we've on never on your end. On your end, this I love this idea, by the way. Video game integration, right? So, uh, t- talk about that. Like, what, what, how long was di- a process? Like, when did they come? Like, could you t- just give us a timeline of when they came to you and how long it took for them to to integrate into your system? The best I think, the best route I think is I can talk hypotheticals. Yes. Um, okay. I mean, I know that. So, for, so, for, so, for example, right when we released our tools publicly. We had people that were able to integrate uh, within, I believe, like 24 to 48 hours. Right? Oh, wow. Okay. So we already have, we are, so like, so like Six Dragons, uh, Forgotten Artifacts, uh, Age of Rust, they're already integrated with Engine on Coven, right? So you can check out those demos and see what blockchain integration looks like with Engine. Um, the, the, the reason that I don't speculate as to like how long it would have taken the other the other studios uh-huh. is because like there's a, there's a totally different, you're, you're working with two totally different things, right? Like one was a finished product and one was a tool in development, right? So any sort of speculation as to like, well, how long did it take them? Isn't really fair because all of those folks, many of them actually, so our, our first one, so like nine lives, a lot of that time they were working with tools. Um, some of them were like entirely replaced, right? So they had to start working from scratch in a couple instances. Um, and so they were they were troopers, and that's kind of why we value them so much is because they helped refine and perfect the process that helped make the public release so successful and helped uh, Sabas and the others that were able to integrate so quickly. It made that possible. And so that's why, I don't know. So, so, it's, really, a, so it's a really, <laughs> really wide range. We had those yeah, so it's just, a, it's just a really wide range depending, again, on the product project but it, um, and also so- the experience of the developer right because we have first timers that are that are not only first timers but they're first timers and they are solo right so before at forest night uh-huh. dude you wouldn't know that the guy was working by himself and then on top of that you wouldn't realize that the guy is working on a game before was not a game developer before he became a game developer it was kind of like an impromptu 
kind of like, this is what I'm going to do with my time now. Now, you know, I think he's recovering from like a knee injury or something. Okay. Um, and so he's like, he's like, I'm going to build an amazing game. And like, so it's like, this thing is, is taking shape in the midst of like a minor, like obstacle in his life. Wow. And it's kind of inspiring. I don't know. I, before was one of my favorites, he kind of has, has a special place in my heart there. Um, Nice. Yeah, but we have we have a lot of developers. We have uh, like so Chris at, at Age of Rust. He's a uh, he's a long time. He has like decades of experience in game development, uh, right? So his his title and his team have a totally different perspective on game development than say before. How do you meet these people? Like, are are they coming more to you, or are you going out to them, or is it just a combination of the two? What are you What are you finding is more and more becoming more and more common? I'm not sure how many of the current early adopters what the what their like initiation protocol was mm-hmm. we're having a, so many people come to us um uh, more than we can currently handle i think the last time i checked we, we we've since closed down the, the early adopter program but at the time we closed it we had like 300 people pending oh, awesome. in the system just like waiting for we eventually did get back to them to say you know unfortunately the program is closed but yeah i was like 300 at the time and then like i said um probably like two or three dozen just coming from GDC alone that want to join up. So it's going to be a matter of like, cause we have a, we have a, we have a, we have a hearty team. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, what's the scope of the work? What can we do? We can do a lot. Um, just a matter of like making sure that we can do it at a rate to where we maintain the quality of the relationships with the studios that we have, because that's really important to me. Oh, nice. So, hey. Go for I it. just want to. So this is like a new genre, you know. This is like you, there's. This is the bridge. It's not like you know when you make a video game, you work with the publisher and the developer. This is the, you know, this is a actual cryptocurrency blockchain technology working with a video game. It's like, and you're part of that that kind of job that you know this didn't exist before the cryptocurrency stuff. I would have. I actually, I'm an early adopter. I didn't really think about video games and blockchain. Now I'm seeing it for real, and you guys are kind of like have making it happen so um as a gamer i'm excited like i I actually wanted to ask you do you know anything about cats and mechs because the name alone is just (laughs) it's just awesome kyle has got some kyle the uh, one of the developers the the lead developer rather the guy in charge of the whole thing so so this cats and mechs universe it's self-described there are these sentient human-like cats that operate mech suits the idea which you can find more on their website is that they have these tokenized characters. And so some of them are one of a kind. There is one token called, her name is Prissy Von Treat. And she is the CEO of one of the massive corporations in the Cats and Mechs universe. So if you have the token, so I'm not sure how to get into this most, like to, to, to hype it up the best, right? So I'll just... I'll try it out and we'll see how it goes, right? So one of the problems that we've had as gamers, right, is we have been given the illusion of power so many times because the game systems cannot accommodate actually giving us power. For example, if I were to actually become a guild leader in Skyrim, Oblivion, pretty much any game, I can't actually, and I'm sure there's going to be some guy who's like, actually, there's a game that lets you, Mm -hmm. like, 
I, mean, I know there's probably a couple exceptions, but for the most part, when you become a guild leader, you can't actually issue specific quests to your people. It becomes more of like a, an honorary title where you might get like a loot chest of stuff. And then it's like, congratulations, you're the guild leader now, you know. See ya. Oh, okay. um, so what this does, this tokenized system does, is it's a one-of-a-kind token. So if you are Percy Von Treat, you can issue quests in the real world custom quests things that you design and it like and other players can accept them and so it's very much like and so actually this is this is the guy and i didn't mean to characterize them eve online has a similar system right of like player made contracts so you can do this except we are giving it to ex we're, we're letting it we're getting exclusivity to that and we are allowing further because up to this point, um, you can do a lot of that like Eve does on a centralized server. But what you can't do as easily is you can't trade that token. You can't say like rent that token out to another person for a limited time and say, hey, you want to create quests for this universe? Here's your opportunity. So that's one of the most exciting things happening in the cats and mech space, at least for me is this idea that based on the characters and the tokens that you own, your functionality and your role in the universe can change in drastic ways. Okay, now that's cool, and I appreciate... I think that's cool because it's like, yes, What first of all, I love about what you guys are doing is that you guys can, can use this on all types of style of genre games. And now I'm on the site. I see that uh, the, the name of the girl you mentioned, uh, she's expensive, uh, but Sushi Spareclaw... Is is Spearclaw. the Spearclaw is the least expensive, but I like see now this is really different and uh, and pretty cool. I would be really 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 uh, interested in trying something like this. So As, and I like the idea that you can basically create. It's kind of like um Spearclaw uh, Dungeons and Dragons where you ha where you can create a whole storyline if you can create you, you can create something to add to the game, which is awesome, just to do in general. There, <laughs> I, which I didn't even think was I didn't know was possible with the technology i knew we could tra trade assets i knew you could there's some sort of you know currency uh, fungibility of, uh, with it as well but like to be able to help uh expand a game um with your own personal mind add your own bit is is awesome uh and actually i'm actually very very excited i may get back into this one <laughs> we'll see. i am oh, yeah? now i am a little disappointed that this is not about cats in mexico but still i will play this one Hey, you know, man, <laughs> Kyle's a very entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial guy. If you approach him about a Cats in Mexico spinoff, I'm sure he would have come. Definitely take it. Oh. Yeah, I'm gonna have to reach out to them. I'm really, I'd love to. I like the art. I'm, also, I'm actually not even kidding. He would probably, I'm probably a 50% chance he would be like, yeah, we can. We can <laughs> sure. Arrange something I like got that. some mechanical sombreros I can add onto the token. Uh, let's do this. So I guess. Um, so I see oh. what you guys are doing now, and there things are happening. But what what do you guys, when someone in like let's say a year from now, maybe maybe two, what are they? What are you gonna say? We're engine. This is what we do. Like, wh what do you want people to say? Like, will it, will it be gaming only in two years, or do you guys want to? Do you feel like it, that engine can expand out beyond gaming? There you go. <sighs> Tough question. Tough question. <laughs> It's, well, uh, kind of, it's just a, it's a big question. It, it invites a lot of imagination. It invites certainly a lot of speculation. Yeah. Um, 
can engine go beyond gaming yes we're already seeing it kind of go beyond gaming right mm -hmm. um with some of the things that you've previously mentioned so i have had a couple i actually am talking to somebody right now that's <clears throat> that's using that wants to use engine in a in a way that i that i have not yet envisioned right so when i think about the possibilities it's a little bit humbling but it's really a matter of getting the community right right setting the foundation up to where such an economy is possible and i was thinking a lot about this last week it's a lot like in fact it probably is a textbook example of I think what's called the prisoner's dilemma, right? Where you have these people sitting at a bargaining table and you have like a stash of chips in the middle and you tell everyone involved at the table, look, if, if nobody touches the chips, the pool will, will constantly add to it. It'll grow over time. And then at the end of the exercise, everybody will split it. And I promise you, you will have more chips at the end but if somebody reaches in and tries to divvy out their section, it's like they, it's like, that's all you're going to get. And you end up getting like, a, a, the point is you get a much reduced portion, right? Yeah. But it's this idea that we become so anxious and nervous and we create these malicious fantasies of other people. And we say, oh, they're going to, they're going to act act negatively first. So we, we try to take our chips, right? Mm -hmm. That can't happen with blockchain. We, we have to find, I guess it doesn't have to be, but I see all of these temptations to create insular blockchain ecosystems, right? That is not the way to go. It's just, that is the, that, that's the prisoner's dilemma, right? It's about realizing that we, if we all, it's, it's not about joining hands and singing Kumbaya, but it's, it's kind of about joining hands right on this table and saying, we're just, we're not going to touch the chips. We're all going to build this network together because we realize that this network that we build together is going to be worth exponentially more to all of us than simply divvying up our own little plot of land and trying to be our own little fiefdoms. And that's, it's, it's, it's the, we got to fight the greed guys. Like it's, it's going to be tough, but that's kind of what we're going to have to do. And if we all do that, then blockchain can stretch from gaming to real estate, to education, to training. It can do, it can do pretty much everything and it can change the world. It just takes cooperation. It, it certainly makes sense. Like with game design, you iterate small, you master the pilot project. So engine, I certainly see at least personally mastering the gaming space we certainly might we're definitely open to tackling outside events but tackling the gaming space is certainly front center in my mind well how many andys have we had on the show i don't know the, is 17. that the i feel like we had another andy because i'm andy we've had a few we've had some andrews and andys right uh andy's a really cool guy very energetic uh his story actually which is really funny is that do you guys remember if you're listening to the show my e3 recap like a year ago way back when Andy actually was like me and had run into the engine, uh, you know, the E3 yeah. floor. So it was really interesting that we were there at the same time. Mm -hmm. Maybe I could have been working for Engine Coin if I, I know <laughs> if, if I didn't interview Roger. But yeah. um, shout out to Andy, and it sounds like they need a guy like him because this is a part of adoption. They're reaching out and finding companies reaching out to them about how could we get involved in this? How could we take an existing game and make it work with crypto? 
Uh, and I do want to shout out uh, for next week, Daniel, that we have another uh, episode with Plasma Dog, which is actually uh, Horde. Yes. Uh, Horde is the publisher developer, I believe, yeah, or the, the company. And they're also an exchange. Yeah, they're also an exchange. So we're going to talk about that. So we have exciting things coming up. And not only with An Andy at Engine, we have some few things possibly coming from them. Plasma Dog, bunch of gaming-centric episodes It's going to be up. fun, guys. Stay yeah. tuned. And again... Check out the coinboys.com, Coinboys podcast handle for Twitter and Instagram. And of course, uh, Daniel's been working really hard. We're going to have a, a run of blogs and with our correspondent co-host, Crypto Sanity, who you will see on the show uh, guest hosting with us and doing a lot of stuff yeah, on the on website. On and off, like crazy. Yeah. Uh, but until next time, I'm Andy. I'm Daniel. We'll see you. Peace. Peace.